This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast, Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area. And tonight is a special night. We have one of the top fitness female bodybuilders, workout specialists in the Bay Area has graced me with her presence. To talk about her life, to talk about women in the industry, not only women, but black women, because we all know a lot of black women need motivation when it comes to a (laughs) sit-up. Welcome, Alex, the Alex, to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. How was your day today? It was good. Sunday fun day. What does a Sunday fun day entail? I mean, what is that? Uh, I woke up. I weighed in <laughs> with my coach. Uh-huh. Um, I went to hit class. Finished my workout. Grocery shopping. I got some um, some steps in. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I meal prepped, and then I came over here. Sounds very productive. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, what, I know I gave you an introduction, but what do you consider yourself, a bodybuilder? I am a professional bodybuilder. I have my pro card, so I am. Mm-hmm. A pro card, what does that mean? I have been awarded a card to compete professionally. Okay. So in order to do professional competitions, you have to have a card? Yeah, you have to get awarded by judges. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my last show, five first place, two cards, one in bikini and in. Okay. So when you, I mean, when did you get into bodybuilding? Like mm, Eight months ago. Eight months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And you already just winning all these competitions? I'm not already just. Bring the mic closer to you, please. Not already just. I just, um, in September, Mm -hmm. I decided I wanted to do a bikini competition. And then... In um, November, I got a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did my first show in March. Um, I got last place in open. And I got fourth place out of five in 35 Masters. And then I got second place in 35 Masters in my next show. And I still got last in <laughs> open again. <laughs> so this last show that I just did, um, it was a natural show, um, natural athletes. So I'm now in a natural league as opposed to being in a league with assisted athletes um, is where 
I was more successful, I'll say. So you 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 said that you one day you just wanted to do a bikini competition. I mean, most people wouldn't be like, oh, they want to do a fucking uh, bodybuilding bikini competition. So where did that stem from? Like, were you always into fitness? No. Um, well, since probably like 2016, 2016, um, I was like over 200 pounds and I was... Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was just like... Is that I, considered obese? Yeah, it is. Mm. Okay. Um, and according to the, the skate, I mean, the, yeah. Cause I say that because a lot of people, like if you, if you take my metrics, like my height, my age and my weight. And if you, if, and if you go by like the, I don't know the, what's it called? The BMI scale, yeah. they will say that I'm obese. But if you look at me, you're like, damn, this nigga got somebody like Dwayne Wade. So it's weird. I think that it is. I don't believe that necessarily BMI is the best way to track obesity. Mm. Um, I do believe that I was definitely somewhere in like the 40% fat range. Um, mm. So um, that is, that that is <laughs> obese. Um, athlete range is somewhere in between like 14%. Mm. So um, I'm somewhere in that range now. How old how old were you when you had this this body that you're speaking of? Like how old was I? 2016. I was 28? Mhm. Yeah. Okay. So oh, 20 yeah, 20 I turned 29. Oh yeah. So you were this you were this weight and you was the goal to just lose weight and then after you lost weight you wanted to start doing competitions or did you want to do competitions and then you lost the weight for competitions? Competition? Competitions just happened like September. Okay. Like okay. it wasn't a, I, so in 2016, I was, um, I was overweight. I got diagnosed with high blood pressure. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of like, I need to do something to change this. My father passed when I was, when I was 13 he was 43 mm. from heart disease. Mm. And um, all of my grandparents have had some form of heart disease. Um, and so I kind of, I was, if I can change it from my diet or what I was doing, I wanted to do that. So I worked out for a little while. That didn't really help very much. Um, I did have a trainer. Um, but I wasn't losing very much weight. I'd lose like 15, 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. So I'd be somewhere around 180. I did that for a few years. And then I went vegan for about five years. And then I decided one day, I was like, you know, what's the fastest way I can get a transformation? And every time I see someone like, you know, you know, someone random and they're like, they come out and they've done a body, I mean, yeah, bikini bodybuilding competition. And you're like, dang, that was fast. Like, I just saw her a couple months ago and she didn't look like that. And so that's kind of how I decided to do it. Not because I thought I would like competing, only because I thought that was a quick way to do it. And I knew that um, it was kind of regimented. Like, it was a plan. There was a, there was a roadmap to get to that. 
Mm. as opposed to the fact that I had been going through like this constant loop of losing 20 pounds and gaining pounds and then losing, you know, I'd get down to like 158 or something. I remember 158 was probably the lowest I got to. And then I'd go right back up to 180. And yeah, that was annoying. Is that because, or do you think that's because you were doing diets and diets are just basically, you change the way, you change your habits for a certain amount of time and then you get off the diet and then you're back to doing what you used to do that is exactly what was the problem and then when you decided to uh do bodybuilding it's like a lifestyle change not a diet yes it, yes it mm-hmm. is a lifestyle change a lot of people say like i don't want to do bodybuilding and i'm like well i mean i don't think of it like that i, I definitely have changed the way my lifestyle is mm-hmm. because when you look at bodybuilders uh, let's just say arnold schwarzenegger for example this nigga's been big his whole life. He, I mean, he's and even now as an old man, he still is, has muscle definition, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of his lifestyle, not because of diets. Sylvester Stallone is another example. Um, fucking Wesley Snipes. These people are bodybuilders, but they have a certain lifestyle that they live. I don't think they go on diets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So when you um decided to well, let's talk about before you got into the bodybuilding. Were you working out at all? Yeah, I worked out. I've been working out since twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. I've been in the gym. Um I usually don't since twenty sixteen, I probably haven't gone more than maybe a month or two not being in the gym. Other than that, yeah. Did you have any health problems uh, back then? Did I have any health problems? Yes. In 2016? Yeah, I had high blood well, pressure. Well, not just 2016, just like in general when you were young. Yeah, when I... um, I grew up having a condition called hydronitis supertiva, which is an inflammatory um, condition where basically I get like flare-ups. I had that since I was like... 15 and um lifestyle and diet and Mm. play a role in my flare-ups and things like that that I really didn't know about I wasn't really diagnosed until I got into college so they didn't know what it was I'd just have surgeries or go to the ER back to back and they just basically said it was like ingrown hairs um when you say flares I mean what are you talking about flares what time So, um, some people, so there's a difference. Some people would consider them to be boils. And I think boils like live on the top of your skin. Mm -hmm. I more have like cysts, Mm -hmm. um, which they have like tracks that you don't know which way the track is coming from. Um, but it basically, I get these cysts, um, in areas like my groin, under my arm, under my breast, my buttocks. Um, where it gets really inflamed until it kind of either I go get it cut open or I let it burst open. So <laughs> those are so it's it's, it's it's like bumps with like a bunch of like liquid and shit. Yeah, it's mm. a bunch of liquid and shit in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So you think that was a cause of what? Weight? 
No, they don't really, they don't know what causes HS. Um, because there's people who are, would consider to be in shape mm. who have HS, who have flare-ups. I'm considered to be in shape. I still have HS. I still have mm. flare-ups. It doesn't. My last show, I had one leading all the way up until like two days out. I had like one inside in the middle of my um, in my groin area. And I sometimes, a lot of times when I get flare-ups now, it has to do with stress mm. more than anything else. Like when I'm really high stressed, it'll just like, I'll start to flare up or get sick or something like that. So I try to keep myself at a even kilter for the most part. Mm. Um like controlling how I'm feeling and how much rest I'm getting, which bodybuilding helps support that because I'm supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night. So, um, mm. and I'm supposed to eat in a regular, a certain kind of diet. So it helps a lot with that. Did you grow up in the Bay Area? No, I'm from Chicago. Um, mm. grew up a lot of places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I live in Chicago the long, I will say, yeah, majority of my life, if I'll. How was growing up in Chicago for you? It was cool. It was cool. I like, I love Chicago. It's my favorite city. It's just cool? Yeah, it's my favorite city. I don't know. I grew up there. I don't How know. was the family dynamic? Family dynamic? Um, my mother's side of the family lives in Chicago. My mm. father's side of the family lives in Buffalo for the most part. So, um, Buffalo, New York? Yeah, Buffalo, New York. Okay. I spent a lot of summers there. Parents were divorced? Uh, my parents divorced when I was little. Yeah, like three, four, three. Only child? No, I'm the oldest of two younger sisters. Okay. Oh. Did you go to high school in Chicago? I went to high school. <laughs> I did not go to high school in the city of Chicago. I went to high school in the suburbs. My mother said I couldn't go to high school in Chicago because... The school I wanted to go to, someone had got shot outside, <laughs> and she was like, "Yeah, no, it's not happening." Mm. So I couldn't go, but it was okay. I I enjoyed my high school experience. So, so after you graduated high school, where did you did you go to college? I did. I took a gap year. I went to college um, a year after I graduated to Edward Waters in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, that is where my parents went to school. That's where they mm. met. Uh, and they lived there until about I turned three and they got the divorce. So um, Jacksonville kind of has always been some kind of home for me, mm. even though I really, I never went back until I went to college. But my parents have friends there and they really looked out for me when I moved to the state. Explain to me the difference between the girl that was in high school in Chicago to the woman that was in college in Florida. What's the difference? Um, I guess the girl who was in high school in Chicago, I kind of had freedom to do whatever I wanted to do. My mother really only, I grew up with two rules. Tell me where you're going and don't lie to me. So I kind of did the things that I wanted to do. Um, Also, I was involved in a lot of, I played soccer, I played basketball, I competed in dance. Um, Were you in any gangs? 
I was not in gangs. No. I mean, I was asking. Go ahead. No. <laughs> but uh, when I moved to, and I actually didn't really love school either. Uh, I work in education, but I think the school is a scam. Uh, so it was hard to get me my head wrapped around the fact that I needed to do what people told me to do because it was for a grade. Mm-hmm. But when I got to school in Florida, it was like I turned like complete scholar on. I don't know. I graduated with honors. I was I didn't really go out like how people wanted to hang out and be outside all the time. It was kind of like, yeah, I had my time doing that in high school. Like I could do whatever I wanted in high school. So when I got to college, I wasn't the girl who was it would be like girls gone wild and doing everybody act like yeah. they never left their mother's house. So I was kind of <laughs> not plus like you, I mean, plus you grew up in a city. city. Yeah. So yeah. I was kind of real chill. It didn't really, it was just like, come here, come to work, go to, go to school, mm-hmm. get what you need done and get out in four years. What did you study in college? Math. Math. Yeah. So you're a mathematician? I'm a mathematician. I have my Ooh. bachelor's and my master's. Why math? Oh, it's my jam. Good at it. It's a place right. I could always escape to. I know three women that went to school and studied math, and all three of them there's there's a little bit that's off in their mind. <laughs> they're they're a little bit weird. I think that. Okay. I think I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little strange. You're a little strange. Yeah. Uh, do you think you have to be strange to like study math? No, I don't think that. I think that math is a subject like I I taught math for 10 years and I always say like math is just a subject where I have to try to get the pictures that are in my head to be the pictures that are in your head. Mm. And there was a teacher who helped me connect those pictures and it just took off. Like I just, I think math is a very creative subject that doesn't get the credit for being creative. Yeah, And that's a lot of the reasons why I feel like a lot of like people of color get pushed away from math because they don't, it doesn't pull out their creativity. It's kind of like my teacher just told me to do this. This is boring as opposed mm-hmm. to like, it's a world of just like. Yeah. Niggas hate problem solving. <laughs> <laughs> but they like bringing problems though. <laughs> the only reason I don't like math is because I've never had of all my years of school and I never had a good math teacher. That's that true. made me feel confident of about math. I feel like if I had a great math teacher, like I had a great science teacher, I had a great fucking PE teacher, I had a great uh, history teacher, but every teacher that I had in math was horrible. That's probably why I don't really give a shit about math. And that I can, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. That's really, I think my. 10th grade math teacher was also my soccer coach. Um, and she did everything with us. Like she ran, if if she forgot her shoes, she was running in her work shoes with mm. us, running, running our miles. Um, and when we were in class, she was just really hands-on on like making sure that we got the information. And so I don't like geometry very much it's not my jam but she was my geometry teacher and it is really what made me fall in love with math it was kind of like kids always tell me um 
they say they don't like math, but they like me. And that's the reason why they come to class. That was kind of like how it was. And then after that, I didn't like my next math teacher, but it didn't really matter because I was locked in on math. After that, you couldn't tell me mm. to move away from it because I had already locked in. So when you grad- when you were going, when you graduated high school and on your way to college, you already knew math would be what I'm going to major. No, I wanted to major in graphic design. Um, and then I got to college and I said I was going to major in business. Mm-hmm. And I end up beating this guy in spades at, um, I went to HBCU. So we play a lot of spades out in like the yard and I beat him and he was like, do you count cards? And I said, yeah, I count cards. Like I've been playing spades. My daddy taught me how to play spades when I was like, I don't know, mm-hmm. seven or something like that. So, um, and counting cards is basically, what does that mean? Cheating? It's not cheating. There's only so many cards in a deck, right? There, Every car has a certain amount of suits. Mm. And once they start being played, you start to strategize what's left. Like, if I've seen a jack be played, that means I know a king, a queen, an ace is still left. If I see the queen being played, I know what's left after that. If I see the ace being played, I know my king's going to win because the rest of them have been played. Like, mm. it's kind of like a... It's, yeah, just makes it just makes sense. So I don't know shit about space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm like a white boy at the at the barbecue when it comes to spades. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but after I told him I did, he asked me if I wanted to be a math major because they were giving out scholarship. Mm. And I was like, sure, math's my jam. I'll be a math so you major. You got a scholarship from playing spades. <laughs> That's fucking space. crazy. Yeah. So when you graduated, um, where where did your life lead you after your graduation? I became a math teacher, which in Florida. Yep. Okay. Florida. Um, I became a math teacher all the way until I moved out here. I moved here in 2018, so I was a math teacher from 2011 up until. 2020 mm-hmm. and then I became a school administrator and I'm yeah. assuming you don't have children I do not have children no okay no the majority TV. of women who uh, have jobs such as yourself don't have children you think so because they don't want to deal with the badass kids that not that are not theirs and then go home and deal with their badass kids. No, I actually have baby fever. It's just controlled because <laughs> <laughs> um I actually I would love to be a mother. Just not in my current circumstance, but I would love to be a mother. What current circumstance are you in? Uh single. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't want a child by myself, but mm. I need somebody to roll over and be like, here you go, it's your turn. Mm. How many kids do you want? I think at this point, one, I'm going to be 36 this year. Okay. And I don't know. Yeah. Uh, personal question, but uh, I mean, the, you're 36. Yeah. The eggs are still there? Yeah. Okay. It's good to know. <laughs> so when you, I mean, you're a bodybuilder, right? So you're, let's, 
stay on the subject of children, right? Okay. You're a bodybuilder. Pretty sure you're out there dating in a dating scene. Do do you find it weird when men? Well, do you find men looking at you like uh, a certain type of way when they see you and you're like chiseled, all muscular? And then you got a nigga with like a little, little muffin top. Do you think they're? Uh, do you do you find a lot of men not approaching you because of their insecurities or they're not confident enough? <clears throat> um, I do think that happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um. I actually, I was just talking to my, funny, I was talking to my coach about um, dating and how uh, I think that there are times when people are intimidated. And there's also times when people are jealous. Like, I've just had instances of people, I feel like, praying for my downfall, which is, which is a wild thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when for the last month or whatever, people have met me bodybuilding and then like mm-hmm. have something to say about it. Once it's like, this is what it, this is, this is what is going on. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That being said, do you normally uh, date men who are in that, type of field like other bodybuilders and stuff no i i actually haven't really been dating that much so no no mm. no i don't have you ever dated a bodybuilder no no would you date a man who doesn't work out doesn't work out yes i don't know about not working out when i say that i'm not talking about like a fat dude but a, a guy who just has a regular body who's just not into the gym like into he's niggas not into the gym he's not into running outside he's not into going on walks he's just not into working out no workout at all he's not into doing physical fucking activities the most riding a bike you said the most the most he would do is like ride a bike down the street riding the bike is still some type of something i I think I would have some level of concern if I was talking to someone who didn't believe in any type of movement. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think it has to be bodybuilding or Mm. wanting to be in the gym all the time. But I do think that some type of physical fitness is important for people's lives. What uh, happened with your ex-boyfriend? My ex-boyfriend? What ex-boyfriend? Which one? The most recent one. The most recent one? Nothing. I mean, he lived in Atlanta and I lived here. And oh, my God. It wasn't nothing exciting. There's really nothing exciting yeah. about my last boyfriend. It just, <laughs> it was what it was. I mm. feel like it was during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um... It just just died out. Yeah, it just died out. Great. Um, a bodybuilder, right? You guys, you you guys have zero 
I don't know what it is, but like some of you guys have zero body fat on you. No, no one has zero. Well, you have very little. Very little, yeah. But the question I'm asking, um, does that, as far as a woman who does what you do, does that affect, well, I don't know if you've ever been pregnant, but is that like a concern on being pregnant, carrying a child when you have so much muscle and your stomach is so flat and shit like that? I mean, that might be a stupid question, but I don't know. It's a, it's a legitimate um, question that I have. So there are effects that dropping to low fat levels and things such like that, like that do affect you. Um, they say that there are women who stop getting their periods once they get to really low levels. That's never happened. It's never happened to me. Mm. Also, I don't think I've reached my lowest level of fat. <laughs> yeah so um we'll see if that happens but i don't know mm. um and i think that as long as to my understanding as long as you have already been in shape like doing that like, this has been a lifestyle like i get fifteen thousand steps a day that is a part of my lifestyle mm. i get pregnant tomorrow which that's not gonna happen but if i get pregnant tomorrow I could still keep doing my 15,000 steps because that's already something that has been built into my lifestyle. I couldn't get pregnant. And then if I was doing 8,000 steps and then be like, you know what? I'm going to turn it up. I'm about to do 15,000. Like, no, you can't switch your body. But if it is something that you've been doing already as your lifestyle, you can do it. You can still lift weights. You can, you know, there's a lady I know in the gym. She pregnant. She goes, she comes to gym faithfully. Three, four yeah, I've seen, I've seen a, a few videos of women in the gym pregnant and they're like chiseled. Mm-hmm. Chiseled as fuck and they just got that little round ball in the, in the belly. Everything else is thighs on swole. They got a damn six pack on uh, top of on the bum. Top of the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, but they're getting backlash. Like the comments are like, how are you working out like that? Isn't it dangerous for the baby and all this other shit? It, yeah, you shouldn't do it. It shouldn't be something new that you put into your lifestyle mm. once you get pregnant. But if you already have been doing it, it's not going to, doctors say it doesn't really affect you. Mm. Um, you just have to do watch on like how heavy you're lifting. Like you can't do the like power lifting and stuff like that because you can give a child hernia and stuff mm. like that. So um, another thing I wanted to touch on when I don't know if you are in to like the YouTube space, but there's a lot of people out there, black men, for example, who say they usually don't date black women. And one of the reasons is because of fitness. Like a lot of uh, the majority of black women in America are overweight. Uh, The majority of black women in America don't work out, have bad um, eating habits. Now, obviously, there's fit women, black women, of course, like athletes and shit. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. um, the question I'm asking is, like, when you go on when you go on dating apps and you when you like if you go to Houston, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of black people, mm-hmm. a lot of overweight black women. New Orleans, when you go to New Orleans, shit ton of overweight black women. Mississippi, all up and down the South. When you are strolling through these dating apps, the many dating apps there are, 
And even if you're not into white girls or anything, white girl, skinny, white girl, skinny, white girl, skinny, <laughs> black girl, big, nope, white girl, skinny, white girl, skinny, another black girl, big, all the black girls you see on these dating apps, overweight. Now, I'm not saying this ain't about me, right? Because that's not what I look for. I'm just saying in general. Because people have done t- uh, uh, studies. There are, like, black women are obese in America. Um, why do you think that is? Black women are obese? Black you know, why, people? Why do you, no, not black people. Because uh, the majority of black women, men are not obese. It's just specifically black women. Now, when I say the majority, I'm not saying all, right? No, all, yeah. But more than normal, black women are, their bodies are not healthy. Now, when I say, when I'm asking you why that is, why do you think that, do you think it's culture? Do you think it's uh, just they're not into like working out as other uh, races? Like, what, what do you think? Um... I'm not really sure. I feel like for me, it was genetic. Like, I have more of my father's side genetics than my mother's side. My mother's sides are very, they're very slim Mm -hmm. compared to my father's side, which is a lot more healthier. Um, And I think that it's, we don't really know about nutrition and know about what is, what things do to our bodies. And so we live lifestyles that are kind of passed down from generation to generation as far as like eating habits and things of that nature. And I'm really reading this book right now called Obesity Fixed. And it talks about how food has just progressively gotten unhealthy and kind of, it's kind of we're marketed that to have a good time is to, to eat um the last not my it wasn't my last boyfriend but last person I talked to um I remember he was upset because he said like we can't go out and eat and I was like well we can go do something else like eating doesn't have to be what is centered around our world and I think a lot of times like I haven't seen a lot of people because what do you do with them if you're not out eating and drinking Mm. um and that's kind of where I feel like in this like culture of where we are right now is that food and drinks lie in everything that we do all the time. And there's no type of tracking or accountability of what actually we are putting inside of us and movement stops. Like we move less, the older that we get. And a lot of people blame it on their metabolism, but a lot of times it has to do with the fact that you're not getting up and getting your steps, like move your body. Um, and so it's just like laziness sets in. I don't even, I don't know that it's laziness. I just feel like it's the lack of awareness that if you do not move, you will start to gain weight. Mm. And if you do not track what you are eating, you most likely will overeat, especially the things that they're putting in the foods now. Um, a lot of people are never in a, calorie deficit or in a calorie maintenance phase they're usually overeating 
Uh, I agree with all that. But do you also think that um, a big part of it is a lot of women, when they see overweight, other overweight black women, a lot of women are like, girl, you're perfect. Girl, live in your truth. (laughs) (laughs) You're big and beautiful. Um, Instead of telling the truth... It'd be like, listen, you need to calm down on all this fast food. I'm, it's unhealthy. You, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be your real. arteries are gonna be clogged. You're <laughs> not telling the truth to these women. They're saying you're no, you're beautiful. The whole fucking uh Lizzo dilemma. Everyone don't, keeps Hey, don't every, be putting me on here with no Lizzo dilemma. <laughs> I'm just, what I'm just saying, everyone everyone you when it comes to big women, everyone always uses Lizzo as an example because I mean I guess she's the most famous one and she's always saying that she's beautiful this and beautiful that i mean you can be don't, beautiful you, don't but be trying to get me canceled okay well first Look, of all we don't you, care about canceling you, you know? over here trying to get me canceled no i do care about that because it's I'm a simple to, question I, do you think I, it's because women are not truthful with other women be like listen girl you can be beautiful but you still need to calm down on all this eating let me let let Okay. Giving perspective, right? When I was the size that I was, I did not, I knew that I wanted to transform my body. I didn't realize the size that I was, like what I actually looked like when I was that size. So like... Explain that. What do you mean? So when I now, now that I am 45 pounds, down 45 50 pounds down i'm mm-hmm. i when i look at like even when i start to see back the way that i used to look or the way when i see other people i didn't realize how how big i was like i thought that i was healthy mm-hmm. but i didn't realize how healthy i was and um I also think that that's something that when you look in the mirror, you don't see that as a size. Like you don't see yourself being as healthy as people may see you, as someone else may see you who is of a smaller size. So I do think that sometimes it is the mirror, the picture in the mirror, the reflection in the mirror that you don't really even see it. Like you don't, you don't know. I mean, well, you can look in the mirror and don't see it, but I guarantee you're going to feel it. Like, when I was gaining, I was gaining weight, and I can feel it just in my clothes. Like, I had to suck my stomach in a little bit more to, like, fit old pants that that, that I didn't have to before. Uh, fucking, my, I start buying bigger shirts so they can be more baggy because these other shirts... We're a little bit too tight. So it's like little shit like that where you notice. And then I didn't say I gained a lot of weight, but like I could start filling in like when I was playing basketball, like I could play basketball for like used to be able to play basketball for like five hours nonstop without even getting tired. Now I'm running up and down the court like the first 30 minutes I'm huffing and puffing. Back pain. You start filling in your back a little bit from carrying uh, extra weight. Your knees. You know what I'm saying? You you got start getting knee problems. 
well, not knee problems, but knee pains from carrying all this extra weight that your body is not used to. So when you start feeling this shit in your body, it's because your body is not used to your body. Your type of body is not made to carry this extra weight that you're gaining. So you need to go back now. And it's basically your body telling you like, listen, you need to calm down and stop doing this shit because we ain't used to this. I think that depends on the person because I've never been small. Mm. So, yeah, gaining some weight is like, oh, well, it wasn't a lot, but I still had a pair of shorts that I had when I was in ninth grade that I just put in my pile of like, I ain't never going to be able to put them on no more um, because I have dropped like what five sizes something like that i mm. don't know how many sizes but it's been it's quite a bit um and so when you gain like 20 pounds you don't attribute it to the fact that like you put all this weight on top of your body that's why you feel that way the first thing people say is i'm getting old <laughs> and like no oh, maybe you might just be getting out of shape that's um, denial and that's usually what people attribute to like, oh, I'm getting old. Like, no, you're not getting old. You're getting out of shape. Like when your knees are bothering you, that's typically usually means that the muscles around your knees are out of shape. That usually means that like your legs aren't strong enough or yes, you are putting on more weight into them. And so you start to feel that pain go into your knees because your knees are trying to compensate for the lack that your legs have. And the whole old, I'm getting old. I mean, there is some type of truth to that because when you're young, you can eat what you want and still not gain a lot of weight because your your metabolism is crazy. Your movement. You're working. Your your move. Yeah, your movement. You're active. And then when you get older, you're not so active. So you just you have to you have to trade it off. You have to start when you once you when you the older you get, the more emphasis you have to think about what you put in your in your in your body food you have to change diet because you're not going to you're not young and your metabolism if you eat this cupcake it's going to do a more it's going to do a worse effect than when you were 20 right than when you eat the cupcake at 55 it depends on how in shape you are at 55 but it depends mm. because what I could eat seven months ago and it'd be a problem. I can, it, it's different now. It's a different, I'm on a different set of like calorie intake only because like now my body, my metabolism is on like overload. Like I be, I still, my, my body feel like a furnace at night. I'm just, cause it's just burning everything. But that's because of where, my how fit I am right now mm. so it does I think it depends on how fit you are not really necessarily your age because if you there's people who I see little girls in the gym right now and they're trying to get their fitness together if they continue that from now up until they're 35 then a cupcake at 20 is going to be the same cupcake at 35 it's not going to be different, but it is the fact of people's lifestyle choices change from 20 to 35. So, yes, um, you do see those changes, but 
I definitely think there are people who are more in shape. Now that I have been in, in this whole, I don't know, it's an industry for a little bit. Um, and seeing people, some people's body, some people's bodies, metabolism go crazy at 50. Like, I know 50-year-olds who are killing the game right now. Them niggas are on steroids. Huh? Them niggas are on steroids. Not, not, no, not, <laughs> not ones in natural league. Some of them are. Um, but really, you know, steroids, I, I am a natural athlete. I am not on steroids. I don't plan to be on steroids. It's mm-hmm. not a, um, I did this for a different reason. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't desire to dibble and dabble and try it out. Um but really the thing is is that the major thing that you need in in bodybuilding is you need rest and recovery and people who are on steroids the steroids take away the rest part. Mm. So it's not that they're not still putting in a lot of work. They actually are just getting rid of rest so they can put in more work. That's really that's really what people on steroids do. So um yeah, them people on they they grind. They grind <laughs> hard. Yeah. Well, all I gotta say is no human being a six hundred pound body is not natural. I'll just say that. Like like my my six hundred pound girlfriend? Six hundred pound, that's what you're talking about? Yes. Oh you have a friend that's six hundred pounds? No, but they have no, there's a show that says it's called My 600 Pound Girlfriend. Isn't that what it's called? No, it's called My 600 Pound Life. Oh, My 600 Pound Life. Oh, wow. And that's that. another thing of people not being uh, fucking realistic about shit. They're glamorizing this these 600 pound women on this TV show like it's normal. That's not normal. It's fucking crazy. Well, to allow yourself to get 600 pounds. Once you get 200 pounds, okay. Maybe you should start thinking. 200 to 300 pounds. Okay, damn. Okay, maybe I should stop thinking. Maybe you should start thinking. Three to 400 pounds. It doesn't hit you yet. Now you're 500 pounds. It still hasn't hit you yet. Now you're 600 pounds. Damn. It hasn't hit you yet. Something is wrong. (laughs) And niggas ain't saying this. They want to beat around the bush. Girl, you're beautiful. Go with your 600-pound self. Go ahead, girl. No. Be like, yo, something is fucking wrong with you. We're taking all this food away. You're going to get it. We're going to get a surgery. We're going to do something. But 600 pounds, no, that ain't it. This this seems a very, a very passionate topic. I just can't stand. uh, You, you, you talking to very even kilter. You, you, you're very so calm and collective. (laughs) I never seen you get this. (laughs) No, it. I just don't like, I just, I just don't like when people uh, try to, uh, when they know something is wrong with you, but they try to just edge you on and not being realistic when they know it's dangerous. Like giving your kid soda all the goddamn time and Kool-Aid. You know that's going to fuck this little nigga up. So stop giving him the soda. And then when he gets older and he has a neck, a fat ass neck, and you're like, oh, wow, how did, how did Jesus get so big? No, because you were giving that nigga soda all through his childhood. I think that we also need to take into account 
that. No, I don't. I don't think that it is. It is disheartening to see a lot of it a lot of times, especially like my father passing from heart disease. He was somewhere near 350 pounds, almost 100. Mm. And um, and I think that he didn't decide to change his lifestyle at all, which is disheartening. I think that's a part of me wanting to change my lifestyle is the fact that um, I don't I don't want people to be crying for me at 43 because mm-hmm. I passed away because I wasn't doing what I needed to do. Um, and I think that a lot of times people really don't know. People really don't. And it's not, the thing is, is like, if you think about a lot of people, they live in food deserts too. Like they live in a space where it's cheaper to buy Kool-Aid than to buy water. I paid two ninety nine for water. Now, if I went to the store, right, I decided to buy this water mm-hmm. on on my walk. Let's take accountability. But if I go to the store, right, to buy a pop, it would have been a dollar. Okay. So the thing is, is that when you sit there and you you when you process in your head and you don't have the knowledge and you're like, you know, which one is better for me to which one is more economical for me to buy? It's the pop because it's what is on sale or it's the juice. I'm going to get a juice. That's what people, I'm going to get a juice. Well, juice is, I'd rather drink a juice than a soda. I don't necessarily know that I'm not really going to drink my calories ever. Like that's just not something I really want to do unless it's a drink. Mm. I don't necessarily ever want to drink my calories because juices are loaded with sugar the same way as a pop. Like, mm. and so you you can sit there and have a gra- a cup of rice is like 20, 23 calories, right? 23 grams of carbs. Mm-hmm. A pop and a juice can be somewhere between 50, 45 grams of carbs. Mm. I'd rather have two cups of rice than to try to drink a juice that's going to leave me dehydrated and want to drink some more. So I think we don't, people don't know, realize those things when they, when they're going to do it is like, Oh, I'm gonna drink a juice, drink some water and have some, have some actual table food. That's going to give your body some nutrition because the juice and the pop, neither one of them going to give you any type of nourishment. But we, we sit there, we make those decisions and we just really don't know. And I think that's a lot of the problem in communities of people of color is we don't know that the decision that we're making is what is the consistent decision we make to not pay attention to what we are putting inside our body is what makes us consistently mm. obese. Now, I know there are f- fat white people. There are fat Chinese people. But... I'm solely focusing on blacks. Now, what do you think is the biggest culprit uh, when it comes to putting all this uh, unhealthy food in front of the black pre- the black person's mouth? Do you think it's more um, uh, like the industry? Like you know how when you go in around in the hood. You'll see a hundred McDonald's. You'll see a hundred Jack in the Boxes. But you go to the white neighborhood. What do you see? Whole Foods. You'll see a Sprouts. Um, 
the liquor stores. A lot of black families in hoods around America, they don't go to the grocery stores. They'll go to the liquor stores and get their groceries. You know what I'm saying? Um, the, your, your children's schools, the fast, uh, I mean, not the fast food, but the lunches. If you look at uh, school lunches, I remember I read an article and they had pictures of school lunches around diff- in, in different areas and places in the world. Like Japan, Japan, like the school lunches, like some of these places, they look like gourmet meals. Like they, it, like shit, like they had a chef back there cooking. They had rice, little salmon, steam, steam vegetables and shit. But then when, <laughs> when I uh, saw America, the school lunches, it was like cookies, chocolate milk, uh, a soda probably, um, uh, probably like a slice of pizza. You know, like fatty, fat, fatty shit. Um, so do you think it's more um do you think it's more a problem with like government and um policies or do you think it's more on parents and actual the actual black person because I can walk in a store and you can walk in a store but what you buy you got to take accountability. You, you're you're the one picking that soda, and I'm picking the apple juice. So, which, what's what's your answer to that? It's a loaded question, but think about it. <laughs> it's a loaded. I I mean, I still think that it's ignorant. Um, it's economic. Like, it's it's cheaper to buy unhealthy food. It's the honest <laughs> truth. Like, I make a decision when I buy my yogurt with zero sugar. There is yogurt that has way more calories, mm. way more carbs, way more fats, way more protein. Well, probably less proteins, but way more of all the other two. And it's cheaper. It's- yeah, but the problem is these niggas are not buying yogurt, period. That's the problem. I mean, but even the fact that, like, like again, buying juice, Minute Maid juice is like, way cheaper than buying Minute Maid juice, buying pop, all that kind of stuff is cheaper than buying alkaline water. Mm. Like, it's it's cheaper to buy bullshit. Like, that's just that's just it. And, yeah, it is food deserts. And the school lunch, the way school lunch is set up, um, when the Obamas were in administration, there was a, it's a called the Healthy Food Act where. Oh my God. What? What? I'm not going to. What? I'm not going to. The Obamas are some bullshit. Them niggas ain't do nothing for. But go ahead. Listen, I'm just telling you what's going on in schools right now. I'm not Mm -hmm. talking. I'm not here to talk about the Obamas. I didn't see none of that. Michelle Obama's eat healthy shit in schools in Oakland. That's what got passed. So that schools in Oakland have to follow it too. Um, the thing about it is you only get so much money for food, right? So you get, they have to have a certain amount of protein. They have to have a certain amount of, you have to have a vegetable, a fruit and a vegetable with every meal. You have to have, uh, I feel like a milk or something like that. I think that's part of the protein. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know all the, the criteria, but the thing is, is that to buy food for kids, 
when they're on free or reduced lunch or whatever, mm-hmm. is expensive. So they get trash food by these companies who are selling the food to you and you get trash pizza and just not really, it's not good. It doesn't look appetizing for kids to eat. Even though they are trying to have healthier foods in schools, they're not appetizing because to buy the foods that will look appealing, it costs more money and they don't have the money to buy the foods. And really, that's really, that's, that's usually it. It's the cost <laughs> for food. Food is expensive. Food, my grocery bill is expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when I want to eat, like, I want to eat how I want. Like, I want to be fancy. I want, if I want bacon, I have to pay a lot of money to get bacon with the least amount of fat. Well, in. you're choosing to have an expensive uh, fucking building. But that's because I'm exp- I'm choosing to stay within my macros and stay within where I am. A lot of people, you know how black people, people <laughs> of color, want food that tastes good and make them happy. That's yeah. usually what it is. Yes. And a lot of it is garbage. Mm-hmm. And so in order for me to stay in that same kind of food that makes me happy, right? Mm-hmm. I usually have to pay a little bit more for it if I decide to do that. If I want bland food that tastes like nothing that I just want to, I can do broccoli. I can do chicken. Mm-hmm. I can do tilapia. I can do, but that's it. You're not getting any, don't don't try to get fancy. You better try to figure out how to make your rice. I have steamed rice. My rice comes out of a bag and it's steamed in the microwave because I don't want to sit there and make rice. I pay a little bit more for that as opposed to I could get a whole big bag of parboiled rice and I'd be cooking it for an hour and a half or whatever it is. I got three minutes. That's what I, you know, I pay for my time. And a lot of people do that too, right? They want foods that is inside. We grew, I grew up not eating Salisbury steaks, but my uh, mother, huh? I used to eat them shit. But my mother used to buy Salisbury steaks. Them things cheap. They was. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the meal, the microwave meal? Yeah, the microwave mm-hmm. meal. They cheap and yeah. they're quick and it feels like you filled up your child's stomach. So, but is it trash? Yes. Completely trash. But how many people grew up on Salisbury steak? Yeah. Like. So you're basically saying it's more of an accountability issue. I think it's more of a knowledge issue and a resource issue. Mm. Which one do you think is more? I'll say first knowledge. Resources, you can can have low-costing foods. It's going to take more time to put it together. Um, because it's easier to get foods that are already heated up and you can just throw in the oven. You know, how many times did we, I have a pizza, you know, one of them oven pizzas growing up. Mm-hmm. I can't dare eat an oven pizza. That thing is ridiculous. <laughs> They're ridiculous on what, what that, um, that makeup is and how processed it is. Mm-hmm. But you used to could go to the store and get them for $2 and it was kind of like, I think people in them having the time and having the resources and knowledge is understanding that those foods while cheap and quick are a lot of the downfall of what's going on. Like church's chicken, what they charge you on Tuesdays, you got the $2 meal, right? And Mm -hmm. then... Niggas be around the corner in line for that shit. Right, exactly. But you think about it, that's a quick meal for a whole entire family to get. You got a family of four, you pay $10, everybody got a meal, 
And it's like we we was fancy tonight. We all we had church's chicken tonight. You know, <laughs> like it was a treat, but really it's the part that's hurting us. Mm-hmm. Is that that's not a treat. Actually, that's harm being done. But there's something that sends our senses off um, that makes us think that this is a good life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no. Yeah, so me, for example, I have a horrible diet. I eat a lot of fast food I don't cook. Um, when I was younger, my father never gave us candy. So I don't have a sweet tooth. And even to this day, I don't really care about candy and chocolate and shit. But so basically I eat whatever I eat, whatever I want. Right. But my thing is I'm a true believer in if if you don't want to eat the, if you don't want to go the healthy route and like be vegan and eat vegetables and all that shit. I'm a true believer in you are capable of eating whatever you want, but you just have to work out. Like, you don't have to be on a diet. You don't have to uh, uh, watch your calories. You can eat whatever you want, but as long as you work out more and move more than what you eat. I think that's the, the, the perfect formula to losing weight. Eat less and move more. When you start gaining weight, it's because you're going backwards. You're eating more and you're moving less. I disagree. I will. (laughs) I will. I had a trainer who used to tell me that I paid him $700 a month for six months to lose 10 pounds. And that is what he said. And yes, he's a genius. No, he wasn't because 10 pounds, six months. I've been with my trainer, right? My coach right now for eight months. Mm -hmm. I have lost. Oh, 50 pounds. 50 pounds? 50 pounds. This is a new trainer? This is a new trainer. Okay. I've lost 50 pounds. Well, well first of all. nutrition is everything. Nutrition, if you didn't work out. See, that's the thing is that we believe that. And that is what. No, is. I said work out. You need to work out. No, you. You just can't I, be eating more than you working out. I think. That you could work out very minimally and eat right. And that is how you would stay on track. It is always your nutrition. Always. It is. Some people are. Some people have genetics that are really good. Like they just they can eat whatever they want to eat and they can only work out a little bit because their genetics are they call them they you know genetic freaks they have there there are genetic anomalies no but if they're if you if you're eating whatever you want if you're not working out that much you will gain weight you will get fat you have to work out more than what you're eating like i work out i go to the gym five days a week and i do i'm in the gym for like at least minimum of like five hours and that's non-stop moving lifting weights doing cardio all that shit but i eat i i'll have like a big meal I mean, not a big meal, but I'll have like, I don't eat, really eat breakfast. I'll probably eat a smoothie or something. And then lunchtime, that's when I consume a lot. I, I'll have like a big, uh, a big lunch, but it'll probably be like, I mean, sometimes I'll eat McDonald's, get a McDonald's meal. Sometimes I'll get Popeye's. Sometimes I'll go to Whole Foods, get a sandwich. It'll, it's like that type of shit. But then I work, go to the gym, work out, 
And then I don't eat anything past 7 o'clock. So I like fast from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. But the only thing I would do is like probably like have a, a, a protein smoothie to like recover. That's what I do. And I noticed uh, there was a time period when you remember when I was talking about like gaining a few pounds. During that time period, I still had the same diet, but I wasn't going to the gym. And I gain like that. And that's what worked for you. Most people, it does not work like that. And that's what they think. People think that they can eat whatever they want to eat. If I did that, there's no way. I would blow up. I'd blow up. If I did what you're saying right now, Yeah, that's what I was doing before I started bodybuilding. Working out nonstop. Yeah, I worked out. I used to work out five, six days a week. <laughs> so why, why, why was it so hard for you to lose the weight with that first trainer? My nutrition. He said we weren't going to do macros. He said we weren't going to do nutrition. We mm. were just going to keep working out. Mm. People say that all the time. I've heard people say like, you just need to stay in the gym. And I'll be in the gym grinding, busting my ass. But my lifestyle habits, mm. no. I'm not getting the proper sleep. I'm not getting the proper movement. I'm, only time I'm really moving is when I'm going to the gym. Uh-huh. And so, like, now I can tell the... Like, I've gotten sick every <laughs> every time moving on to prep. Like, prep, I mean, peak week. So, peak week is when, like, right before you compete. It's the week right before where you kind of work on taking all the fatigue off your body so you can present as well as possible, like without any, like all that water weight, because you get a lot of water weight from stress and stuff like that. So I've gotten sick going into a show, every show. Mm. We take out workout. I still lose weight because my nutrition is on point and my movement is on point. I still have to get my steps. And I still have to sleep and eat the exact same. I drop weight every time. And that is because my lifestyle habits, not going to the gym, because the gym is conditioning your muscles. The gym is what is giving you that sculpted and that shape and stuff like that. Not necessarily. And it is, it is helping with speeding up your metabolism. But it's not what's doing the majority of the work. It's your movement and it's your nutrition and it's your rest. And that's what I tell people a lot of times, like when people ask me, what should I do? I'm like, you should start tracking what you're eating. Mm. You should start getting some sleep. You should try to get 10,000 steps a day before you try to get in there and kill it in the gym. The gym ain't going to be nothing because you're going to keep all that fat. A lot of people are um, what they call a mesomorphs. Like, that's what you see, like, black women, you're saying, like, they're, like, a lot of black women who are overweight. Mesomorphs, which mean, like, they carry a lot of fat in their in their body, like, in their stomach, and any, like, that's just, and actually, that's just a natural woman thing is to carry a lot of fat in your lower half of your body, your stomach, your butt, your thighs, all that. Mm-hmm. And if you're not on a proper nutrition plan, you usually, you can't just hold on to that. There's a lot of guys who are lucky to say that they do that. But also what that means is you haven't, you're at a calorie maintenance. So whatever you're eating is a maintenance in your calories. So you're fine. Like you live like that because you actually 
have put your body on some type of plan that works for you and you figured it out like this works for my body. And then I'm going to also add my movement in there and that's going to keep me maintained of where I am. There's a lot of people who haven't figured that out. I know people who like I've got homegirls and stuff like that who like they eat a certain way and they maintain their weight because they know what works for them. And I feel like learning what works for you is a big thing in like maintaining your weight because it it is what you are eating. Because if you decided that you were going to add another meal, what would happen? And you still went to the gym the same amount. Would you, if you consistently started mm-hmm. eating later on in the day, because basically you have put yourself on this like, you track how many calories, you, you unbeknownst to you track how your food goes and you stop eating at a certain time because you eat the same kind of size of lunch. You eat the same kind of size of a snack. You don't really change how your calories are coming in every day. So what happens if you add another meal that's the same as lunch? Mm. You would probably start to gain weight even if you started going, kept going to the gym the same amount because you would now put yourself in a calorie um, overload as opposed to being in a calorie maintenance. Mm. Can one lose weight without working out but eating healthy? Yes. Without working out at all, just but the diet is on point. If your diet is on point, yes, you will lose weight. Now, would you be like, would your would you just start to look just <laughs> like very meh, like you wouldn't have any like tone and stuff like that? Mm. That's what would end up happening. Mm. Um, I more than anything is that the way the the gym is helping you to stay sculpted and stay tight while you're losing the weight. Mm. Um, but yeah, you could lose weight, and as long as you got your, if you get go into a calorie deficit, you will definitely lose weight. Okay, <clears throat> your um, your first, your first, well, let's your uh, you have a competition, yeah, right coming up, right? Mm, not till September. Well, I'm just, I'm just, oh, hypothetically, like, oh, like hypothetically. Okay, okay, okay. You have a competition that you need to. St- uh, prepare for how much in advance do you start preparing your body so my to prepare for my first show um i was 18 weeks out with my coach um i com- i was in prep for 30 weeks total moving forward we're looking and when you say prep you're just what is you're just talking about i'm preparing Preparation for yeah, that's what the because yeah, there is so, a there's a AIDS, body, AIDS, body, AIDS medicine called prep. I know. Want, Actually, you know what I said I don't want that to somebody. To be confused. I said that to somebody one day. I was like, I'm on prep. They like, oh well, how long you been on it? And I was like, <laughs> they're like, you know, like, and so I'm I'm over there just like, oh, I've been on prep for this long. And they're like, damn. Okay, so like, how is it like feeling? I'm like, oh well, it's good. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how we got into it. Like them telling me that they were talking about the medicine. And I was like, oh, no, they no, thought you had no. AIDS. I am in a preparation period, yes. It yeah, is, you got to elaborate when it you say that. It is called, in, in, the, in the bodybuild world, when you say you're on prep, that means that you are on season preparing for show. Mm. Um, so, right now, I'm technically off prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But we'll go, so 
it for this period, the last period that I was on, it was 30 weeks. It, I was on prep like nonstop. Um, I've been off for about three weeks. We're going on to four. Um, and I'll probably do this up until end of July. And I'll be on prep for about eight weeks to prepare for my pro debut. So, I mean, what are, what are you doing during this time? Like during this time right now? No, during the, when you're preparing for a competition, like what are you doing? Like, I what's your day to day regimen like? <laughs> well, my day actually my day to day regimen doesn't really change. Um, even on season, off season. So my day to day regimen is um. I have to get my steps in. Everything I keep saying, I got to get my steps Damn, in. Steps, I got to get my sleep in. I know they say I'm a, I'm addicted. I, I know I am. I really I really <laughs> got a problem. Right now I'm at 12,600. I need to get 15,000. So um, I need to get my steps in, um, get my sleep. I'm supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night. Mm. Um that doesn't always happen. I was about to say, are you really consistent with all this shit? I sleep is something that I struggle with, um, just because I feel like I always have something to do. But when I'm going into what we call peak week, which is the week leading up to the show, I really push to get my eight hours as much as possible. Now, when you say sleep, I mean, are you when you say eight hours, are you like in deep sleep for eight hours, or are you just in the bed? No, like actual no, no sleep. Mm. Like I So what time do you go to bed In order to get those Eight hours of sleep Because it's going to however, take you Some time to fall asleep Yes Not Not the way my life goes I'll pass out Real quick I will be One moment I'll be My phone I'll put on the other side Of the room Because mm. I don't need it Next to me You don't I, got a TV In your room I do not have a TV oh, That's good Um, I have a projector that I cut on every now and again Like when I want to watch Shows But I don't mm. do that Very much Um but my phone's on the other side of the room. It goes on Do Not Disturb at 11 o'clock. It goes on D&D, which means... I mean, not D&D, um, downtime at 12 o'clock, which means I can't use any apps. I can't text people. Mm. I It's like my phone is completely locked down. The only way I can get out of it is going into the settings. Um, and so eight hours of sleep for me is whatever eight hours looks like. So... I have an alarm that's set for 3.30 a.m. because I was at one point going getting up at 3.30 a.m. to go to the gym. Damn. So that means that I need to be asleep by 7. Were you so doing that, like two a days and shit? No. Mm-hmm. No, I was just getting up that early so I could go to the gym and I could get my full workout in. And then so whatever the time is, like if I get in bed and it is 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. I'll be like, well... 10 to 6 is the time in order for me to get my eight hours. So if it's, I'll say, wake up at 10, 630. And that's what time my alarm will wake me up. I give myself a little bit of, I give myself a little cushion to actually fall asleep so that my eight hours actually do count if I'm going to go to sleep. So I try typically to go to sleep around eight o'clock. It's mm. a hard thing to do, um, but it is definitely necessary. So when I am approaching my shows I really try to get that full eight hours but before that I really mostly six to seven is the push like if I can get six or seven I'm gonna try as hard as I can to get that 
Um, my nutrition is something every day I have to do. Um, and then my training and then cardio, depending on how much my coaches said I need to do. During this prep time, um, what's your diet like? Are you, cause, uh, I've heard, I mean, I might be mistaken, but when body bodybuilders are, they're eating a lot to, is that true? You have to eat more, like get more calories in your, in your body. Now that I have gotten smaller, like, and my metabolism is higher, I get to eat more. Mm -hmm. Um, My last show was the most I ever had gotten to eat the day of a show. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, no. I was at like 100 carbs, 100 protein, 100. I know that doesn't, it's in in 20 fats. And I know that doesn't, like, if you, the people like, I don't even know what that means. Um. A rice cake, a caramel rice cake is like 11 carbs. So I could do like 10 rice cakes, not even 10. I could do nine rice cakes, Ugh. 20. I wasn't, that's not what I'm eating, but I'm just giving yeah. an example of like what it would look like on paper, like on food. Mm. Um, and then I could do, um, what is it? Every three ounces of chicken is about 20 20 protein so probably 15 ounces of chicken I could do mm-hmm. so that could be what I was in some days eating for the day um, like the amount of food so it wasn't really a lot I'd try to make it stretch um, but I was at that we used to do these 100 we used to call them 100 day dig 100, 100 um, gram digs and it <laughs> I was starving mm-hmm. now I can't eat like that um, my body gets dizzy. It's like, girl, we need more food. We can't do that. I tell my coach, I'm like, um, I'm really dizzy. I think I'm gonna pass out. And he's like, I think that's your body saying that you need more food. We can't give you those little levels of food anymore. And like, even now that I'm off season, we had pushed my macros really high and, um, I was still losing weight. And so he was like, okay, we need to push you up a little bit more. Because right now the goal is to maintain weight so that I can just get some really good workouts in because I'm in a, when I'm on, on prep for shows, I'm, I'm in a calorie deficit because we're trying to lean me out as much as possible. And being in a calorie deficit when you're more in shape means that, yes, you usually do still eat a lot of food because Mm -hmm. your body is burning so much Mm -hmm. every day. So there are people who get to eat a lot of food. When people usually first start out, no, you don't get a lot of food because your body is not in shape yet. Mm -hmm. And so, no, you can't get that much food. But I'm looking forward to my pro debut. I think I'm about to be able to eat like whole meals. So the 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 best time to like date you is when you're not in, in, in workout season, huh? I don't think that. I mean, I'm okay with it. I think that if it's It'll a be a problem, struggle. Huh? It'll be a struggle. No, I think there's fun things to do. I can do things while I am on prep. It's just I what I find out a lot of times is sometimes people want to be spontaneous, right? And mm-hmm. I kind of can't handle the spontaneity because if I haven't done everything I need to do, like if I was, and say I didn't wake up and go to the gym that day, like when I woke up and I got off at, I still got off at three o'clock, but I didn't go to the gym. I have, now I have to go to the gym. So like, 
if I get a call like, hey, you want to hang out? Like, nah, I can't hang out because I got to go to the gym. But like, if I would have known before, mm-hmm. I would have been like, no, I got to get up. I got to go to the gym so that I can hang out after yeah. I get off work. I think that that's the kind of thing is that like working with me and saying like, hey, this is going to be a plan ahead of time. Not this just popped up in my head right now. I want to do it is a kind of even like for planning macros, like I can go out to eat, but I would need to know the place before. And I <laughs> <laughs> like, Damn. I can't, I can't go into too many surprises. That's the thing. I know I can't do a bunch of surprise, like food and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but if I knew the place before I could plan, I could be like, okay, this one I'm going to eat off the menu. I'm going to pick two things. Cause mm. sometimes you get there and they don't have what you thought you was going to pick out. Mm. So I pick out two things and I'm like, all right, yeah, I could go out to eat and I'm just going to bring my scale with me because I do take my scale out <laughs> while I'm eating. When I go out. Your scale, like your weight scale. Yeah. Like, no, like my scale, my food scale. Oh. So I bring my food scale when I go out to eat. Um, but that's, that's if someone is comfortable with that. See, I'm okay with it. I carry my scale around like it's, yeah. It's a mirror of somebody <laughs> in their purse, so I don't mind it though. Oh, I do think that'll be a good, uh, a good thing because I mean, if you if you're working out crazy, that would just motivate me to start working out as well. That's just how I think. I think it's definitely a motivation between partners if that is something that the person wants, because mm. it could be a sabotage. Too. It could be the other way around. Because mm. I've had that. Like I'm the I'm going to do what I need to do regardless. Mm-hmm. Um and I think sometimes there is pressure to not do what you need to do. Like and I'm I'm pretty I may be a stubborn person, but I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to that. Like if that's a goal that I have I can see that. if it's a goal that I have, I'm gonna lock in on it. And I'm and I know that like people have said that this is a selfish sport. This is a selfish thing to do. Um, but also a part of me deciding to do bodybuilding um, was that like, I feel like I was dating and I said that like, I don't, I wasn't really getting consistency. And I said like, I'm not going to expect anybody to be consistent with me until I'm consistent with myself. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm consistent with myself, when I see deterrence of like me being consistent with myself, I think that's kind of like a it's a it's a turn off kind of thing it's just like I have to stay consistent with me um because that's important because if somebody doesn't show up for me tomorrow it doesn't matter because I showed up for me today and um and so I know that this whole lifestyle seems like it's a lot but I feel like I make space quite a bit in this lifestyle is that it's not my life. It's not the thing that it's what I enjoy. It's something that I have a passion to do. I, I know how to draw and I know how to paint and I got a drawing up in Oakland, you know, Mm -hmm. and, but it's not something that brings me joy that I want to do every day. Performing on stage, like presenting is what brings me joy. I don't even like going to the gym. I'm gonna be real. I'm not the person. I don't think anyone does. Huh? I don't think anyone really does. love going to the gym. I'm not a gym rat. Mm-hmm. I love taking the stage though. Like that's something that I love to do. So if I got to prepare for it, if I got to, I'm not going to go out there looking crazy because I know my first show, 
my my peoples was yelling for me and I'm losing. I'm getting moved down to last place. And they like, ooh, number 34. I'm like, <laughs> stop yelling. I am losing. I realize I'm very competitive. And um, especially just competitive with myself of like, how can I present better? What can I do better? How can I show up better? And because I have like a dance background, I love my routine that I do for the show. I'm, mm. you know, when the lights come on, I'm just really excited to be on stage. The stage doesn't make me nervous. And I think that preparing for shows, he keeps me focused on actually staying in shape. Like it keeps me, I always like, I'm having a photo shoot coming up. Mm. So we're gonna, we're prepping for that. We're in, we're in, we, we always got some kind of like goal. I always have a focus. I don't ever get off focus of my fitness. And I know for some people that's like, it's overload. It's too much. Like, when are you gonna just take some time? But I do find time to take, I just went to Houston a few weekends ago. Mm-hmm. I, um, I came back feeling like shit. Um, Drinking and shit. It wasn't really even the drinking. It was the food. Like, I was stuffed. And I was just eating and eating and eating. Like, oh, I couldn't stop eating. It was told so, you. Them girls in Houston, I told you. It was so good. I was so stuffed. I couldn't wait to get back to my plan, to be back on prep, meal prep. I mean, but even, like, what's um Gucci wife name? Keisha. Keisha K- Dior or K- some K- shit like that. K- yeah. It's K-O-R. Mm-hmm. She, she talks about how, like, they might you may see them eating out and like eating all these like lavish meals. But she said every day in the weekday, they on food prep and food prep. Like mm. they on meal plans. Mm. They don't just be eating like this. Like eating, he don't eat whatever he want to eat. She don't eat whatever she want to eat. Yeah. But there are moments and times when you do that. And I think that throughout your life, I've, I've really, because I'm starting to get more in shape, be able to live in that 80, 20% where you 80% of the time I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. 20% of the time, I get to enjoy, have a good time. Went to Foodie Land yesterday. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. And then I told my coach, I'm back on it for the next three weeks so <laughs> I can get ready for this, this photo shoot. I'm going to Chicago. We know I'm kind of going to be off the plan. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be killing myself on like a strict regimen. I'm going to enjoy myself while I'm there. Um, but we plan for the enjoyment and that's not something normally it's the other way around. It's like we plan for the plan <laughs> as mm-hmm. opposed to like planning enjoyment, like I know I'm gonna be wilding out. So let's stay focused, let's stay consistent. Cause when I get to Chicago, I'm eating whatever I wanna eat. I'm gonna make sure I keep my protein and all that stuff together. But I'm about to, I'm gonna enjoy. Yeah. When the average spectator is looking at these competitions, right? We see. We only see the surface of what's on TV. We see you coming out in the bikini. We see your little, we see the speeches, we see all that. No one really knows what's going on behind the scenes. Um, Give me, like, tell me some shit that people will be shocked to hear about what goes on behind the scenes of these competitions. Oh, shocking. One thing that's shocking that was shocking. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, one thing that was shocking to me um you have to get tans and um i didn't realize that all women got tans in the same room together like 
butt-ass naked. And, like, we were sitting there holding two poles on our hands, like, uh, so we could keep our arms up and just sitting there having a regular conversation, just... Everybody's uh, that's, very, that's not weird, is it? Everyone's very... It is weird. It is weird to be in a room with a bunch of women who you don't know, just random, having conversation. You never went to a gym and showered and... In the no, locker room, are, everyone naked in the locker room, isn't it? So I'm fine with being naked in the locker room. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? People are uncomfortable with being naked in the locker room. Like, people do not walk around. There are not very many... There are only certain people who walk around ass naked in the locker room, and it's usually not people who are around my age range or younger. Um, <laughs> they don't want to walk around it. They're, that's the most self-conscious age range of, like, no, we're not walking around mm. naked. Um, the black girls are getting spray tans? Everybody, yeah. I get what? my spray tan because it has your skin looking so like. Why don't you just I, rub down with coconut oil or something? No, nah, I'm like a seven. So I've been like a seven year old boy all my life. So like I got like scars all down my leg and everything. Like mm. from shoot, I was I dove in the first place, first base the other me not well a couple <laughs> years ago, but this is a recent scar. It's not even like a a childhood scar. Mm. So um. When you get sprayed, your body just looks so even on stage. It's like, it's basically like getting makeup done on the rest of your body. So when you present, your all your muscles be popping out, all your, you don't get washed out by the light. That's usually what they say. Like when you don't get the tan, you get washed out. You can't really see your de- your definition It doesn't like, you don't stand out. I like looking like a Reese's Pieces. I love when I get my little... <laughs> With my tan uh, and I got them little red undertones. It's just like, it's like something like you just stand out so much more. When people don't get tans, you like, they don't got no tan. What? What? They did, why didn't they get another coat? <laughs> it's just, it doesn't look, it doesn't present well mm-hmm. when you're not tanned well. If you're looking for like presentation of your body, like that's how you get to see the shadows and the definition and mm kind of stuff but I used to think that too like I gotta get a tan but now I love tanning is my I want a tan for my photo shoot I want oh I wish I could walk around tan alright no, don't get no skin cancer it's spray oh this one is spray <laughs> <laughs> it washes off your skin shoot it get on all your clothes if you're not careful so the craziest thing is that you can think of is just a bunch of girls in the in the room Tan, I don't really, asshole nigga. There's not really anything that's crazy happening backstage. Ain't no fights or nothing. No jealousy. There's no fights backstage. Bitches fucking the judges. It's usually people really cool with each other. I think the biggest, the one thing that people don't really know is that uh, there's a lot of politics in this whole ordeal. Like mm. they do stack up people that you'll start to find out is like there's companies who have bodybuilding is their thing so like they'll put certain girls out and keep them stacked up for shows and make sure that this girl is ready for this show so we're gonna put her in this category with this other girl kind of like trying to get them lined up to win Mm. um which that's that's interesting but it's it's kind of like i feel like in every in every kind of sport or something like that someone is always trying to leverage the win. And so there is people, there are people there who try to leverage the win. Um, But it's, 
it's not anything that is everyone there's a lot of people you just see in their own zone like you got you got a bunch of bodybuilders in the back people mm-hmm. are just focused on like the fact that they're about to take the stage there's a lot of people who are terrified who are like this is their first show bikini they say is um is usually 70% of the participants it's their first show mm-hmm. when they part when they enter because they want to do it as a bucket check off bucket list when i when the last show that I just did, it was everybody's first show for the year as opposed to it was my third show. Um, and you, so you experience a lot of people who have never, like they've never taken the stage and they're terrified and they don't. Another thing that's weird is um, you got to have like some type of like cup funnel, like to use the bathroom so that you don't mess up your tan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like I have like these little funnel cups that I have to like pee in. Uh-huh. Um, but like you have to move your suit to the side because your suit's glued onto you. Like my suit is it's glued. glued on you. I glue my yeah, my suit is glued onto me. Okay. And I kind of like just have to move it to the side and put a cup of like a funnel underneath me so that the pee goes in the funnel. Mm. But it doesn't matter. I pee on myself every time. I usually have like this line that goes straight down. I have to go back to the tanning person and ask them to like fix my tan so I don't have this line dripping down. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And people actually, you don't, if people, and when you tan, you can't take a bath for 24 hours. I mean, you can't take a bath until after the show is over. So usually if you got that tan that night, the day before, like three o'clock. The next what happens day, if you got a shit? I actually, I've never had. You never had a shit at a competition? The day of a show, which is, <laughs> I don't know what people would do. Cause that's. Do, do they use the funnel to shit? No, yeah. but that you could just it'll just drop in. But girls, you know, like when you get done peeing, it like kind of it always gives this last like crook to the side. Like at the end, it's always like a what? I don't know how to exp- like. You got droplets still in the in the yeah. The droplets like it kind of like you know how when you're pouring in a cup and yes. like if you don't pour fast enough, it'll start to fall onto the side mm-hmm. of the cup. That's exactly I feel like what happens when girls are being oh, okay, it's okay, like yeah, it's yeah. like that last piece that just mm, doesn't yeah. it's not fast enough so it drifts to the side. Yeah, peeing is a peeing is a conundrum. <laughs> 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 um but anyway, uh do you think being a black woman bodybuilder is a advantage or disadvantage when it comes to competing in these competitions? I definitely think that most black bodybuilders are the underdogs of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when it comes to like, um, like being stacked against you. The fact that like there are big companies in bodybuilding who normally the black person isn't part of the big company. Um, do you think you're the underdog because uh, there's just not a lot of you guys in the space? Yeah, there's not a lot of us in the space. Um, do we even have the look that they're going for? Mm. Um, it's and the look, the mentorship. I've really been really lucky and blessed to have. Um, uh, to work with a group of people who have been in this game for a long time. for So like the funnel situation, 
I knew that before I got to the show, mm. but I met another black bodybuilder at the show where she was like, she got to go pee. And I was like, you got a cup or a funnel? She's like, a cup or a funnel? I'm like, yeah, so you get the pee on you, you know? But like, she doesn't have that kind of support of like people supporting. You don't always get that kind of support when you're there. Mm. Um, and so this industry really, you thrive off of the knowledge that you have. And you only gain knowledge through the experience or the experience of others. And if you don't have someone around you to give you that or provide you that insight, you're usually, you know, like my coach, I think he says it took him eight years to do well in bodybuilding, mm-hmm. like where he really was something he was really satisfied 15 years to lose the weight that he really wanted to, you know, be a size that he really wanted to be. And I think that a lot of that comes from that knowledge and network of, who do you have in your space who can help support you? And a lot of times, like, the black bodybuilder is not the one who has yeah. the support. Uh, my sport is basketball, right? And mm-hmm. the person that I've watched my whole life that I try to mimic uh, through all walks of basketball and just in general is, is Michael Jordan. A lot of people say I play like him and everything. You know what I'm saying? Okay. but. Um, got <laughs> So I like I like Michael Jordan and all for many different reasons, right? The way he carries himself, uh, the way the fact that he's a winner, um, excellence. Uh, he demands, he demands, um, he demands excellence from other people as well as himself, right? And he takes accountability on his failures. Do you have someone in that bodybuilding field that you try to mimic or look up to? It could be a man or a female. I don't know that I have anyone that I try to mimic or I look up to. One, I really am very new to this whole thing. Mm. And I just did it for weight loss. So now... Don't say that because in the beginning of this shit, I said you were the best. So I, we got to we got to stick on that that line. I still think that I am. I mean, <laughs> I got my pro card in 7 months. So I, I think I'm pretty I think I'm pretty pretty decent. Um, but I think I haven't I am just now entering like actually the world mm-hmm. of bodybuilding and like seeing who is out there. Um What's her name? Phoebe, Phoebe Hagen. I love her. She's like, she's a natural pro bodybuilder, black from London, um, and really just really killing the game. Um, and I think that there are more people who are inside of bodybuilding who I will begin to see. Um, I try. My coaches tell me to stay away from social media so I'm not comparing myself to people Mm. um, because I'll get lost in it. Like, did you see her? Like, "Uh uh-uh, no, I'm not. (laughs) They're like, Alex, get off of social media and get back to training. Like, Mm. do what you need to do. Um, My coach always says that you, what we need to focus on is annihilating the plan every day. And so I don't necessarily get myself too wrapped up in who is out there, but I do appreciate 
the exposure and meeting people and like hearing their stories and seeing what's been going on with them. But I don't have anybody who I kind of like idolize at this current point in time or just Mm. am so enamored by. I also, it's also a thing is that I don't really know people's names. So I really struggle with that. Like I don't know names of movies and that's just, that, that was my struggle in math is that I would never remember definitions of words. (laughs) Um, Cause I just be living my best life inside of it. And so, um, I'm I'm trying to do better at knowing people and being able to register who people are because it is important in especially when you're moving maneuvering through mm. professions. If this is something professional, you know, you don't want to stumble up on people and then yeah. not know who that person was. Mm. Cause I'll see people all the time. I remember plazas walking in front of me in the mall, <laughs> and I didn't even recognize or pay attention. Well, I don't think anyone recognized that nigga. I I was in Florida. I lived in Florida for a long time. So Flies is really popular there. Mm. I, I like him. But I, I did not know that was him. <laughs> Pay attention at all. So if you had one one little uh, nugget of advice to the women or the young girls or whatever, just the women, period, who um, want to, who are thinking about getting into this space, what would you tell them? I tell them to do it. Get started. Um, oh my god! What if they want to get? I started? can't stand generic Let ass me advice. Okay, go ahead. Goodness gracious! Go ahead. I ain't seen him turn. <laughs> don't say, "Oh, go for it." I'm, don't quit. No, we don't. I'm every duh. Say, that's obvious. I'm not gonna say that. I'm. What I'm going to say is, like, I know it may sound generic, and it may sound like you know there should be more. Stay consistent. Like, if you're going to jump into it, mm. be consistent. It is not something that people call me and ask me, like, when did you see, when did you start seeing a change? I see a change every day that I get up and keep doing it. You don't see it in the beginning. You, they say it takes somewhere between six to, six to 12 weeks for you to see change in your body. And it takes even longer for other people to see the change in your body. Mm. So you're, we're sitting around three months of consistency in order for you to really see change in your body. Be consistent. Like, mm. show up for yourself because it's not going to be something that comes overnight. And I think that if you, if there is a circle or a network that you can have, like, to have support, take it. Like, allow people to support you through this because this is definitely a lonely sport. I'm not going to act like I'm not, I don't go through spaces and times when I am really just by myself because everybody doesn't get it. And I know people want to, but also when you're around people, they start to annoy you. Mm -hmm. So just like knowing that if this is something that you want to do, you gotta, you can go for it, but understand it's not going to be a space. It's going to be a lonely road. And if you don't like your coach, change it, (laughs) change them. (laughs) Um, I'm almost strong. Believe I've had a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers, don't just stick with somebody who's not supporting you the way that you need to be supported. Um, but consistency is key. It really is. Do mm. you, if you can stay consistent, if you can stay on the plan, you're going to see the change. Cause I know in January, I asked my coach, like, does he think I can do it? Who would have thought in May I would be sitting here with a pro car, getting ready for a pro debut. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that 
it's the consistency, the way that I showed up every day for the last for five months in a row. And if they decide, if you decide to do that, you could do it. Mm. Great advice. Great advice. My advice will be <laughs> if someone, woman was just to randomly ask me, you know, my advice will be short and simple. Don't change your body because of what you see on social media or what someone tells you. Change because you want to change. You know what I'm saying? Control, train the mind, not the body. Because when your mind is trained and disciplined, the mind controls the body. The body doesn't control the mind. So when your mind is trained, it's going to tell your body to push itself to places where you never thought you can go. So train your mind and the body to drink to drink water. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Buy a little bottle, drink a little water bottle here and there, and then add up. The next thing you know, you're drinking a gallon a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead of getting that big ass super size, I mean, you're not going to change overnight. You can't change your lifestyle overnight. So it, just, it starts in little increments. You know what I'm saying? Instead of getting that super size McDonald's meal, get a little, go, go to the dollar menu, get that little small fry, a little double, McDouble, a little, and don't get the big super size drink of a Coca Cola. Get like a medium high C orange. Don't do nothing. Get <laughs> well, water. Did, well, yeah, water. Well, we'll get water. A high C orange. If that, I mean, they got Powerade at McDonald's now. No, don't get that either. <laughs> water. The point is, don't expect to change your lifestyle overnight. It's going to take a little while and it takes steps. But when you start training the mind, like when I started running, I can run for miles and miles now. But when I started running, I used to hate it. And then I started to run every day, like a, uh, like a little here, a little there. Then a mile became two miles, and two miles became three miles. Next thing you know, I'm running every day on a treadmill 10 miles, which is crazy. That's when I had like a chiseled ass six pack and everything. I was sexy back then, but <laughs> I'm ranting, but yeah, that's <laughs> that would be my advice to the women and not even just to women, just to everyone. And it doesn't even have to be toward fitness. It could just be, it could be toward life. Train the mind and the body will follow. Wise words from Jordan Owandi. Me. All right. Anything else you want to say? Any last words? Oh, yeah. Well, well thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, talking about your life. And, um, yeah, I, I hope success for you in your next, your next show. Congratulations on winning your last one. Um, Thank you. Yeah, big thanks. I see you on TV. Like a little VH1 show or something. Hey, we trying to... <laughs> I'm trying to live a soft life, so... Yeah. Any last <laughs> words? Just thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah, it's been amazing. This is the Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and we are out. You...